right? If you guys want to join me in the Ecclesiastes prayer, it's on the front of your books. Lord, give us life as we seek you and your kingdom with a whole heart as we attempt to fear you and keep your commandments. Let our life be found in Christ, led by the Holy Spirit, as we walk in the arena of God's great mysteries. I said in my heart with regard to the children of man that God is testing them, that we may see that they themselves are but beasts. For what happens to the children of man and what happens to beasts is the same. As one dies, so dies the other. They all have the same breath, and man has no advantage over the beast, for all is vanity. All go on all go to on one place all are from dust and to dust all return who knows whether the spirit of man goes upward and the spirit of the beast goes down into the earth so i saw that there is nothing better than that a man should rejoice in his work for that is his lot who can bring him to see what will be after ecclesiastes three eighteen through 22 if I have ever read a more appropriate Mother's Day scripture, I can't think of it. I mean, a piece of scripture about how there is, we are no different from animals and we will die just like them. What doesn't scream mothering about that? That's a joke. <laughs> it is fine, though, because I didn't even know I was preaching on Mother's Day when I settled on this piece of scripture. I don't even remember what stood out about this section and what I found intriguing as I read it and prayed about it. But as I read it and prayed through it, I found beautiful undertones of what the story was saying. In Genesis 1, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and the livestock and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth several of the commentaries discussed whether or not ecclesiastes 3 18 through 22 counters genesis 1 because it clearly says we have dominion over the animals and ecclesiastes is saying we are the same overall they said that it isn't countering the truth written before but challenging the perception of who and what we are the two stories that i see are that Ecclesiastes is talking about in death is we are the same and it is true that at the end we all die but in life we are not the same and that no animal or human can beat death both of those things are true we can die the same as any animal and turn to dust but still be over them we are called to be more than a cow a dog a fish a hamster a worm a hippo we as humans receive grace and forgiveness we build lives that are complete and whole I am, not, I am not raised to be slaughtered. I have choices every day to do or not do a million things. And in this book about meaningless lives, I am realizing that it is actually more about the meaning in our lives. It is a question, what are we doing with our lives that matters over and over? At the end of my life, I will die. I will no longer have a choice to make. I will no longer be actively affecting others by the choices I make through my days. Animals affect us with their lives, some more than others, 
As I am not an animal person and have never felt the need to pet, snuggle, or hold an animal, but I am still affected by them. We have a dog. Her life is dependent on our family not killing her. We have to feed her, walk her, take her out. I don't like dogs, and I didn't vote for this dog to enter our family, but she lives in our home. And therefore, I am to care for her needs because God has put me in direct dominion over her. Her daily life, though, has little meaning. I get that some dogs or animals can be trained to do pretty amazing and helpful things, but the dog that lives in my house can do none of those things. She doesn't get up in the morning and make the decision to help or hurt anyone. I do. I get up every day and have the ability to make choices about who I am or what I will do. I can decide how much meaning I offer those around me. What meaning are you supposed to be offering to those around you? What are you doing that sets you apart from the animals? God created an amazing world filled with spectacular creatures that do things that are mind-blowing. But the real mind-blowing thing is that we are created in his image. Humans are the ones he fashioned after himself. We are the only creations in the universe fashioned after him. We should find this incredibly encouraging and exciting. Well, that could feel like an immense pressure to perform or meet an expectation that is far outside our grasp. It is really the freedom to reach out and try whatever we want to try and fail or succeed. Or to look at it another way, it is a reminder that we are nothing more than dust that will fade away to a memory just like any animal you've ever seen. In the meantime, you and I can accomplish more than any animal ever will. We can live within the freedom that our end is dust and know that our daily challenges spur us towards the goodness because the other side of that dust is heaven. We can live in the freedom that we are not animals that eat dirt, but people that pursue passions, learn, grow, create, and seek after Christ. It would probably be simpler to be an animal because there is no choice in their lives. They only exist. They don't face the daily hurdles to figure out what they should or shouldn't do. But what emptiness that is. I can see how the man this book is about seems to be constantly crying out with despair about the hollowness that life can produce. Marriage, parenting, work, school, traffic, grocery shopping, chores, and on and on. Our days are filled with things that can feel worthless. Filled with things that only seem that filled with things that seem the only things that we have to hold on to say in this verse. Nothing better than that a man should rejoice in his work, for that is his lot. It can easily feel like that. What else do I have to hold on to? What separates me from the animals? Work. Because at least there I am accomplishing something that can be measured. At least when I finish writing this sermon, I can tell myself I did something and that I earned this life. But the work, the work it is referring to isn't our jobs. It is our lives. The work we should rejoice in is our lives, the small and big parts of our lives. We are more than the animals because we get those lives because before our deaths, we will make differences and change people's lives. It is up to you what changes you offer to those around you. Who are you in this world? What marks are you leaving on your spouse, your kids, coworkers, friends, siblings, the person that cuts you off in traffic? the lady checking out your groceries, what are you clinging to when you meet those people? My hope is that I could always answer Jesus, but that would be a lie. I often choose hopelessness, self-pity, meaningless despair. 
I often choose pride, my own agenda, and the strong desire to win every situation. The last line is, who can bring him to see what will be after? Jesus. The biggest thing Solomon didn't have was Jesus. He lived with everything in his earthly heart could desire, and yet he would never have Jesus. He would never be able to understand what it means to overcome death. Jesus would come, and Jesus would show us what would come after. He would teach us what it means to matter and have a full life because these earthly lives are just a temporary place. There would be an abundance of grace and forgiveness. Solomon lived a life full of everything. Money, sex, knowledge, entertainment, family, friends, ownership over whatever he wanted. That sounds pretty nice, actually. And I get that having money and everything I want doesn't fix problems, but there are definitely seasons where I wonder or wish if I just had more because it would solve some pretty pretty big problems in my own life. Can you imagine being one of those people that goes to Whole Foods and buys all the groceries they want? Or one of those people that takes their cars to the dealership to fix a small issue on their car? Sounds relaxing. That would be Solomon. That is our modern-day celebrity. A life where all the physical needs are met without consideration of the cost. The reality is, though, that Jesus calls us to more. That we are more than our physical needs or desires. We need more than our physical needs met. That makes us different from the animals. Animals only need their physical needs met. They don't need forgiveness or grace. They don't need hope, peace, joy, or faith. They don't need salvation. We need all of those things to survive. Years ago, I was talking to a pastor about what we really need to survive, and his question was, what was the goal of surviving? Are you trying to stay alive physically? Because then, yes, you need food, water, oxygen, and so on. But if you are trying to stay alive eternally, then all you need is Jesus, because without him, you don't survive. We truly need Jesus to understand living. I am not recommending, obviously, that we give up on food, water, or breathing, and neither was the pastor. The point of the conversation was to challenge what we rely on and why we rely on what we do. We can't put our faith in tomorrow. We don't know what it will bring. We are also aware of the fact that we don't know what is coming. I don't think cows are. I don't think giraffes are following stocks or cryptocurrency. Monkeys aren't watching weather patterns to figure out when to plant crops. Hedgehogs aren't praying their babies would just listen and go to bed. In fact, they just eat their babies if they cause stress. I highly doubt alligators fall asleep wondering if other alligators really like him or if it's all in his own head. Animals just do. They don't worry about their, furni- their futures. They just exist. I know to me personally that that sounds like a goal, to just exist. But if I sit with it longer than just a minute, I could admit that I do want more than to just exist. I was all, I was all in, in between things that I want all, I sorry, I want all the in between things that life offers. I want the things that Jesus has called me to. I want the meaning that my life has to offer to others and to myself. It doesn't make it easier in those hard moments. It makes the hard moments worth it, though. I wonder how Solomon's perspective would have changed on this side of the cross. What would the book of Ecclesiastes sound like? I googled something about Ecclesiastes, and the first thing that auto-popped up in Google was, did the author of Ecclesiastes need Xanax? 
followed by, will Ecclesiastes depress me? As someone who feels like this book was written for her, I felt a little personally attacked by that. But anyway, it made me think that without knowing the cross happened and knowing Jesus was what would be the difference between us and the animals and death, how dissatisfied I would feel with life. I have Jesus and sometimes wonder if the author of my brain needs Xanax. And I wonder if I should be re- read my own thoughts. So this section of scripture can't discount what was written in Genesis because God is never wrong, but it's telling a different story. There isn't a happy ending to this section. There is no arc that explains why we have hope or why we are better than the animals, except for the arc that we know outside of the story, that Jesus answered all the hopeless questions asked. We know he came and answered the desperation in this author's voice about the unknowns. We know that the end isn't dust, but it was blood given in our place.